wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Stupid idiot. Shut your mouth, you thong-wearing fatty. Party's over, Grandpa. Kane was there! Kane was there too! Yeah! No enhancement needed. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This fight's right! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. And we're back, folks, here on Wrestle Rant Radio for Thursday, June 6th, 2019. I am Graham Jason Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well. And, of course, we have another loaded edition on tap for you fine folks here today. We had our third consecutive loaded weekend of wrestling from Money in the Bank a few weeks ago to then AEW Double or Nothing to then TakeOver 25 this past weekend to the ever-anticipated, highly exciting, full of sarcasm, of course, Super Showdown this coming Friday in Saudi Arabia. We're talking it all here in today's Wrestle Rant Radio, but coming back for the first time in quite a while, Sal, at the Wrestle Guy on the Twitter machine, will be joining me to give our on-site report from TakeOver 25 in good old Bridgeport, Connecticut from Saturday. Sal, what's going on, man? Not much, just, you know, enjoying life and definitely enjoying that TakeOver event. Like you said, Sarcasm 4 is definitely the Saudi Arabia show, which seems to be a super house show what I expect from it, but nonetheless, I am doing good. That's awesome, dude. Well, like I said, we're pretty fortunate because we are Connecticut folk, and we got not only TakeOver on Saturday, but we also got Money in the Bank two weeks ago. Now, I know you were at SummerSlam uh, last year, right? You were at SummerSlam 2017 or 2018? Uh, 2018. 2018, okay. So you were at SummerSlam 2018. Oh, actually, wait, 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 wait uh, uh, 2017. 2017. Wow, yeah. I Honestly, they all blend together at this point, so I completely forget. Yeah. But, yeah, you were at SummerSlam 2017. You were at Money in the Bank. Uh, it's pretty sick that we're getting all these pay-per-views here in the Connecticut area for the first yeah, time in, like, we also, 15 you know, years. We also had WrestleMania pretty close. So. Yeah. I don't know what's going on, but they're really starting to, uh, you know, favor their Connecticut, their, 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 you know, their hometown folks here in Connecticut, considering they're based out of Stanford. But uh, are you getting your fill of the wrestling shows? And they're pretty good wrestling shows, too, in the last couple of weeks. Oh, yeah, no, they are. And I definitely, you know... Bridgeport uh, show was definitely nice. You know, I liked it because it was a smaller venue, so every seat in the house was seemed to be very good. And also, you were able to hear the crowd loud as day. I don't know if how it came across on TV because I have not had a chance to watch it back. But being there live was absolutely insane. It was like you said. I've been to the Webster Bank Arena a few different times for house shows. And um, I haven't sat, like, in the actual crowd. I've been there for other various events. Never in the crowd, though. So when I walked in, and I, we've been to the XL Center before, um, and I've been to Mohegan Sun. I was there a few months ago for SmackDown. I had never been to, like, a, a major WWE show at Webster Bank Arena until Saturday. So when we walked in, I was like, holy shit, like, there's not a bad seat in the house. There's really only the ground seats and then, like, the 100 section seats, which was amazing. And so you could really see everything. Takeover is a relatively simple set anyway, so there wasn't a bad seat in the house. And it helped that the crowd was rowdy from start to finish. Like you said, I don't know how they came across or how we came across on TV. I have yet to watch it back either. Um, but it was super loud all night long, and it helped that it was a great show too. And I was telling my friend even, that. Oh, sorry, go ahead. We were even loud, uh, we were even loud at what's it called, at Money in the Bank. 
I think so. Yeah. I remember people tweeting like, wow, this Connecticut crowd is dead. I wonder why I didn't go to Connecticut. So I don't know if it's something with the exo center where the noise going up. Mm-hmm. But we were pretty loud, so that's why I don't know how to take over the game the TV. I agree. I thought we were pretty loud for the Money in the Bank pay-per-view, too. It doesn't help. Like, I hate when people blame the crowd, and sometimes rightfully so. But, like, I hate when people blame the crowd when they should be blaming the actual show. Because the show, I thought, was very good. But sometimes during certain matches, like, did people really expect us to be going nuts for fucking Tony Nese versus Aya Daivari? Like, I don't know what many oh, yeah, people no. expected from, like, a match like that. Mm-hmm. Don't even go there, but yeah. But the, yeah, no. Definitely enjoyed Takeover more than Money in the Bank. Though Money in the Bank was fun. No, absolutely. Money in the Bank was definitely a fun show. I have yet to see a Money in the Bank pay per view that was anything less than good. So that definitely continued that streak. But like you said, Takeover was just a phenomenal event overall. We'll talk about that very shortly. Um, but to kick it off here, as you had brought up to me before we started recording, a bit of breaking news here, depending on when people are listening to this. Um, but early Wednesday, June 5th, John Moxley became the new IWGP Heavyweight United States Champion by beating Juice Robinson at the Battle, I think it's the Super Juniors Tournament, whatever it is, um, Battle of the Super Juniors Tournament Finals um, in Japan this past week. He's the all-new IWGP US Champion. Sal, your thoughts? I am all in for, I'm all for it, you know. It sucks that Juice had a lose, and, you know, I don't know how, you know, the hardcore New Japan people feel about it. Like, I don't know if they, like, feel like, you know, these WWE guys, because they had a happen with Jericho winning the Intercontinental title, but I feel like it helps the business, you know. Moxie's there, Moxie's in the draw there. I mean, the fans know who he is, and if anything, Moxley just raises his stock outside of WWE, and... It was very weird to see Moxley in front, so that's all I was saying. When I woke up this morning, I was like, yeah, that does not look like the Dean Ambrose I knew. But I've seen some highlights in the match, and he's definitely a more aggressive Dean Ambrose. He is John Moxley. I guess he's doing, he's able to do stuff that he was not able to do in WWE. Like, I'm pretty sure at one point he like, was fighting Juice Robinson's forehead, but mm-hmm. we definitely have John Moxley back. No, definitely. I've yet to see the full match. Like you said, I've only heard people talk about it and review it and stuff like that. And from what I've seen, people love the match. Call it, I think, one of, maybe not the best match on the show, but one of the better matches on the show. And probably the best Dean Ambrose, John Moxley match that people have seen in likely years. I mean, the guy didn't have many five-star classics in WWE, but how much of that was due to the fact that he was limited with what he could do. Um, I mean, if he's going in there and he's not having matches yet with like Okada and people like that, like this is Juice Robinson, who you know, no, no disrespect to him, he's a very good competitor, the former C.J. Parker from NXT. Um, but it's not like the guy is a, you know, an in-ring technician and one of the best out there today. He's a really good wrestler, but as is John Moxley. So I expected the match to be good, but not great. Um, but no, they went in there and fucking killed it, had one of the better matches on that show, and I've heard people say that it was the best Dean Ambrose slash John Moxley they've seen in, again, years, probably dating back to when he won the WWE title like three years ago, if not even before that. So that's really cool to see. This is only the beginning of his hot independent run. Obviously, he debuted at AEW's premier pay-per-view, Double or Nothing, a few weeks ago in Las Vegas. He's set for a bunch of... Uh, Independent dates, actually including here in Connecticut, he's going to be appearing at Northeast Wrestling on the 14th in Waterbury, um, doing, I think he's facing Darby Allen. he's doing an autograph signing beforehand, so that's really cool stuff too, um, I'm not sure what else he has coming up in the next 
few months. Um, but what else do you expect to see? So, or sorry, go ahead. I think he's also supposed to face Pentagon. Yeah. Some somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I think here either in that's also another NEW show. I think it's either here in Connecticut or. Maybe Poughkeepsie. I think that's a New York match, but that's coming up this summer too, which is awesome. Um, but between that, the AEW stuff, the New Japan stuff, anything else you would expect to see or would like to see John Moxley involved in um, in the next few months, Al? Um, I'm definitely. I want him to stay in Japan for a little bit before he before like I'm assuming uh, AEW is going to return get their TV deal starting like October, November, from what I hear after their All Out show. Before he's fully committed to doing that, I would like to see him do a lot of stuff up and like wrestle as many people as he can. Before I'm assuming he would eventually drop the U.S. Championship. Um, but other than that, I would like to see at least one death match out of Moxley, whether it's back in CZW and at home, you know, where he grew up or whatever. I would like to see one death match out of him just for good old time. Yeah, I mean, it really depends on who the opponent, I guess, would be. But uh, between Darby Allen in a few weeks, and then he's got Pentagon a little later on in the summer, and all the other opponents he's bound to have in New and Japan. Jimmy Janela as well. What'd you say? He is facing Jimmy Janela in a few weeks as well. Oh, yeah, he's facing Joey Janela at Fighter Fest later Joey this Janelle, month. Yeah, wow. I, com- honestly, yeah, com- he's facing him at that, some, what is it? Uh, I think it's Fighter Fest. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, that that's coming up. That, Cody Darby Allen, I think. Oh, on that same show? Yeah, I think those are the two announced matches that are right now. I think that, and I think... I want to say Kenny Omega and that guy Sema, who was in the Strongheart six-man yeah. tag team match with SEU a couple weeks ago, double or nothing. I think that match was added, too. So, yeah, that's a, that's going to be a loaded card as well. Um, but the guy has one death match in anywhere, whether it be AEW, New Japan, on the indie scene, whatever. Is there any opponent that you would like to see him face or just a death match in general? Probably just a death match in general, but if I had my choice, it would probably have to be Joey Janela, just because people have been waiting for this match. They wanted this match. This is, you know, other than you know, obviously the obvious of Kenny Omega, Cody match. So I think the most talk about match I've seen, Moxley, like most people talk about, was Joey Janela, and people are absolutely hyped for this match, even though it's right now just a standard one-on-one match. I'm assuming they're going to eventually announce it to either be a hardcore match, a mm-hmm. last man standing, or Maybe even we'll get a death match. Who knows? Yeah, we could. They could do the regular match on that show and then build to a death match either at the Fight for the Fallen pay-per-view coming up or I would assume it all out he is going to be facing Kenny Omega, so I guess maybe not on that show per se. But, yeah, definitely at some point a Joey Janela, John Moxley hardcore match, whether it's a death match, whatever it's going to be, would be amazing. Uh, but we jump from John Moxley to NXT TakeOver 25 on Saturday, like I said, emanating from the Webster Bank Arena in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Who would have ever thought that a TakeOver would take place in Connecticut, of all places? I mean, they've been to, uh, you know, New York, New York. They've been to Houston, Dallas, Los Angeles, London. They've been all across the country and in other continents, and then they end up in Connecticut, of all places, which I guess was due to the fact that they were supposed to do this TakeOver in San Jose next week, or this coming week, rather, and they scrapped it because they're going to Saudi Arabia on Friday. So that never ended up happening. Um, so, yeah, they ended up pushing it back a week early to TakeOver. Uh, what was your initial reaction to the news, Sal, that they'd be coming to Connecticut for TakeOver 25? I, I was first worried because we just had money to bank, and I was just stopped because, you know, it is Bridgeport, and I just didn't expect a TakeOver to come to Bridgeport. Um, 
like you said, April 14th, full sale. That's what I expected to be, especially being the 25th TakeOver. So, like, I would assume that, like, you know, TakeOver 25, let's start at where it grew up, you know. But I, there was no complaints by me, because obviously I wanted to go. But I was very shocked and still am shocked that it happened. Yeah, no, definitely. Hopefully the rowdy crowd on this show opens the door for more WWE shows coming to this area in the future. I mean, obviously we get the Raws and the Smackdowns and Hartford all the time, like every few months or so, and the house shows too, but never a pay-per-view. Before Money in the Bank, we had not had a pay-per-view here in Connecticut since Vengeance 2004. So it's been 15 years, which is crazy, for a state that you know, hosts the freaking headquarters of the company. And then a takeover, too. So we got some great wrestling within the span of just two or three weeks, which is awesome. And like you said, like we were talking about at the show, um, the, the prices for these tickets were, like, unbelievably amazing. Like like you said earlier, there was not a bad seat in the house. And for 20 30 bucks, like, you can get a great seat practically anywhere in the arena. Like, I think front row seats, which um, would have been amazing to get, but they were probably a couple hundred. But that's, like, you know, that that could be... You know, section 100 anywhere else. Like, at a takeover to get, like, a $200 front row ticket is absolutely amazing. So, again, like I said, I would love to see more events come to Bridgeport and places like that here in Connecticut in the future. Oh, yeah, no, and it's, I think it definitely, you know, I mean, it seemed like a solar out for most of the side the but I think that's also due to the fact that it was, like, announced last minute that it was coming to Bridgeport. Like, no one really knew it was coming. And, two, I just feel like, I don't know, uh, but definitely was sold out, it was pretty much sold out, I think there was like one section that didn't have people, and that was like the camera section. Yeah, no, exactly, it looked pretty full for the most part, like we said, rowdy crowd all night through, and made for a, a just a spectacular show from an in-ring standpoint too. So before we get to the actual matches on the card, we'll talk about this very briefly, they did tape for NXT TV, which by the time this goes up has already aired. Um, Keith Lee, Kona Reeves faced off, Keith Lee won, and then we had Maya Yim and Bianca Belair going at it in a rematch from last week's show, uh, Maya Yim, Mia Yim winning once again. So any thoughts on these, um, preliminary matches, Sal? Um, I actually missed the Bianca Belair match, um, I did see the Keith Lee match, I thought it was pretty good, you know, it was, you know, got the crowd going and stuff, I think it was a good starter match, like, nothing too crazy, but it was definitely a good way to pump up the crowd before the actual show started, but I missed the Bianca Belair match. Yeah, no, that was a good match, too. It's definitely worth watching back on the network. I forgot how long it was, but they, they worked well together, similar to how they did a week ago. And then Keith Lee, I think, is a star. That guy's absolutely great, so it was cool to see him in the crowd. Not in the crowd, but, like, from the crowd, doing his thing in the ring and getting uh, getting to wrestle in front of a pre-takeover audience. Uh, I don't think he's been on a takeover yet in the ring, yeah. so it was pretty cool to see yeah. him in that position. Nah, so I hopefully he can make his way onto takeover SummerSlam, mm-hmm. at, whether it be against dream or somebody hopefully he can find his way onto the main card show yeah no i totally agree he is a star and he Mm -hmm. is like he's over so he would do well on the show and i think you know if anything but a match out of him on an actual main card still definitely a lot more exciting than just you know a natural like little takeover not the uh, nxt show Mm -hmm. like Depending on his opponent, like I can even, I would even like to see you something like you know, man. There's so many matches I would like to see out of Keith Lee, Matt Riddle, Adam Cole, mm-hmm. Robert Strong. Like the the names are. So hopefully he can find his way on there. 
Yeah, hopefully. I mean, I was honestly kind of surprised that he did not face Velveteen Dream on the show. I mean, granted, he just came back, so it would have been a bit random, but the Tyler Breeze match also kind of came out of nowhere, so it's not too much of a stretch to say that it could have been Keith Lee in that spot. But my hope is, in that doing Tyler Breeze on the show, which was cool, and it was a great you know, NXT blast from the past with it being the 25th takeover, and Tyler Breeze was obviously a big part of those first few takeovers, uh, the first, like, eight or nine, actually, that it would be cool to see Keith Lee in that spot, maybe, like you said, over SummerSlam weekend and take over Toronto, too. Um, And not only that, before he got hurt, he was actually doing a feud for a few weeks with Dominic Dijakovic, and they had a great match on TV that ended in a double countout, and that never really got resolved because... Uh, Dijak- or no, Keith Lee got hurt, and then Dijakovic got hurt. He's out right now, so hopefully he's back sooner rather than later. And then maybe they could build, the, you know, assuming that Dijakovic is back by SummerSlam weekend, they can build to a three-way with Dream, Lee, and Dijakovic for that show. So that'd be amazing. But yeah, I, I completely agree. Keith Lee is a star on the rise. Um, to kick off the actual show, you mentioned him earlier, Matt Riddle taking on Roderick Strong, a match that going in, I mean, I was excited for it because these two were obviously great, but it had... It had storyline build, because Riddle's had his issues with um, the Undisputed Air recently. Strong attacked him on an episode of NXT TV several weeks ago. So it made sense, but without anything on the line, it was kind of hard to get into it when it first started, like when I heard it was first announced for the show. But they ended up going out there and having one of the, if not the best, pure wrestling match I've seen all year in WWE, NXT, anywhere. And we had some great matches on this show that I thought were better than this one. Um, but from a purely in-ring standpoint, just going out there and beating the shit out of each other, I thought this was absolutely excellent and the perfect way to kick off the show. Oh, yeah, no, I com- Excuse me. I completely agree. Um, there were so many miracles that, like, like, there were so many times when I thought the match was over and it just kept going, and like you said, they were hitting each other hard, and, like, you heard, it, you heard those shots echo throughout the arena, so they were beating the shit out of each other, like... <laughs> And Roger Strong is well known for like Roger Strong is a hard chopper. Daniel Bryan, I think, came on an interview that Roger Strong chops hard. I don't remember the first story, maybe so like Daniel Bryan being all like you know bloody beaten. That's like mostly due to Roger Strong. But yeah, no, they absolutely tore the house down. I thought it was a great opener. Like you said, I wasn't too fond of it going on first, but coming out of that match going on first, I think it was definitely the right move. Yeah, definitely. I thought these guys worked exceptionally well together. And like you said, Roderick Strong is very known, is well known for being a hard hitter, very physical in the ring. Um, But I still say this to this day, I feel like Roderick Strong does not get the credit he deserves for being as good as he is. Like, this might sound like a bit of a stretch, but in terms of, again, pure in-ring ability, maybe not so much charisma and stuff like that and mic skills and whatever... But I think in the ring, Roderick Strong, A, I have yet to see a bad match from the guy, whether it be in NXT, Ring of Honor, wherever. Uh, not only that, but I think the guy never ceases to deliver the same way that Kurt Angle used to back in the day. You could always count on Kurt Angle to go in there and have a great match regardless of who he was in the ring with. I think Roderick Strong is very underappreciated in that aspect, in that re- in that respect, in the sense that the guy is really, 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 really good, but just because he's not as charismatic or doesn't have that same star presence that Adam Cole has, 
that he doesn't get the same recognition as someone like an Adam Cole or a Johnny Gargano or even a Matt Riddle. Um, but I thought this was a great performance from him. And even though he didn't win, I thought he really came out of this thing looking great. And I thought Matt Riddle was the right person to go over here. Um, he has to kind of rebuild momentum. He actually beat Adam Cole on an episode of NXT TV about a month or so ago. So he could be in line for an NXT title shot coming into the next takeover, assuming they do Gargano Cole 3 on an episode of NXT coming up. Um, but with this win cell, where do you see Matt Riddle and even Roderick Strong going from here? Um, Matt Riddle, um, I, I mean, the my goal for Adam Cole, because he still has, you know, still has his feud with the Undisputed Era, easily transitioned the uh, Roderick Strong match into an Adam Cole match for the title match, for the title at SummerSlam, whether it be against Cole or Triple Threat, if, um, Riddle can find his way in there, or you can even bounce back to the Velveteen Dream Riddle match and say, and maybe, uh, Riddle tries to get back into that, you know, and maybe eventually actually beats uh, Dream, so you can start that back up. But there's many ways you can go for Matt Riddle. And for one strong, if I had it my way, um, I would have the eventual Roderick Strong face turn, almost as in, like you said, he's underappreciated. Maybe he can build that mm-hmm. line that he feels like the underappreciated one in the Undisputed Era, and maybe he finally builds to a Roderick Strong Adam Cole feud. Once we saw, we saw that once, but that was before he was in the Undisputed Era, and then he finally joined the Undisputed Era, so we can bounce back to Roderick Strong, you know, going back to a face, and maybe eventually going for Adam Cole, maybe not SummerSlam, because that's a bit soon, but maybe more towards, like, the fall, winter times. I could see that. After they planted the seeds a few weeks ago, and it really didn't go anywhere, um, they ended up getting back on the same page, which worked out for the best, seeing as how Cole became the champion on the show. I, um, but they could I always... What's it called? I thought it was going to happen at this show. I thought um, Roger Strong was going to accidentally cost... Um, oh, Cole Yeah, Roger Strong was... Yeah, Roger Strong was actually accidentally cost Cole, but I think they took the title off Gargano, because I'm pretty sure Gargano is dealing with a minor injury. I heard that. Wrong. I heard it was like a back issue or something like that. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure he's taking time to heal up, so Gargano might not be there for a few weeks, probably to not... I don't know if that affected the Adam Cole win. Maybe Adam Cole was just going to win anyways, but mm-hmm. I think he is dealing with a minor injury that they probably don't want to get to a serious injury similar to Ciampa. That's actually a good, uh, good theory. I wasn't even thinking that, actually, when Cole won the championship. And we'll talk about that match in a moment, but I think with Cole winning the title between Strong, you said Riddle, too, and there's so many other people that they could put in a position right now to challenge Cole for that championship, not only at TakeOver Toronto, but like through the remainder of 2019 and beyond. So I thought that was a good call, but we'll talk more about that in a moment. But the strong idea is definitely a good one, and people should keep their eye out for that in the uh, coming months and maybe even beyond that as well, going into early 2020 if they decide to go that route. Um, then we had the ladder match, Fatal 4-Way for the NXT Tag Team Titles, the Viking Raiders, Viking Experience, War Raiders, whatever the hell you want to call them. Uh, they vacated the titles. About a month ago, after calling, after being called up to the main roster, even though we have not seen them in fucking weeks on Raw, but whatever, um, they vacated the belts. We had the vacated championships on the line here. The latter matches in NXT, again, again, never ceased to deliver. I think I've seen maybe three or four. They did one over Mania Weekend last year. I think it was a five-star match for the NXT North American title. They did one for the tag team titles with DIY and Authors of Pain a few years ago. They did one with Neville and Bo Dallas. They did one with, um, what's their name? Uh, it was fucking, 
Uh, oh, Balor and Owens, a takeover of the, the following year. So they've done quite a few in NXT over the years, and they're always awesome. This was another great one with all four teams putting forth an exceptional effort and one of the most brutal, hard-hitting, physical ladder matches I've seen in some time. And I feel like we see ladder matches a lot in wrestling. Between we, we just had Money in the Bank two weeks ago in the same state where we saw two ladder matches on the same show. Um, but this was even more brutal. Uh, with Undisputed Era being the MVPs of the night with the performances they put forth here and the abuse they took to their bodies. It was absolutely unbelievable. So, a great match here. I thought this was awesome. The drama and the Street Profits winning. I loved I've always been a big Street Profits guy. I thought that was the only outcome that made sense. They've been in chase mode now for close to two years. If they weren't going to win it here, they were never going to win it. So, I'm glad they finally pulled out the big victory. The crowd went nuts. I thought it was really well done. Montez Ford jumping from the top rope to the ladder to clinch the championship belts, I thought was the perfect finish. So, uh, Sal, your thoughts on the NXT Tag Team title ladder match? I thought it was definitely the probably, like, obviously Gargano and Cole, I think, was the match tonight, but I think this was definitely, like, the most exciting part of the night just because ladders, fans love ladders, tables, chairs, they love weapons. They So, I definitely was exciting. Like I said, they beat the shit out of each other. Like, there was one point, I'm pretty sure it was not intended, but the, uh, Kyle O'Reilly falling off the ladder and he like I think there's pictures on Twitter like that he like ripped his back like he has a massive hole in his back and Bobby Fish even falling taking some brutal bumps they all took some pretty bad bumps um, surprised no one got seriously hurt I know Bobby Fish did come out in the swing at the end of the night so hopefully he's alright um, and not on the shelf again um, but it was definitely a fun match and I think the Street Profits were definitely the right move you know and maybe you can go into a feud with them in the Forgotten Sons now that, or on the feud era, so, you know, coming out of it, I think you have more options with Street Profits actually winning the match. That's what I was thinking too. I mean, not only did I think they deserved it, but I think there's a lot of possibilities coming out of the contest as outcome too. Like you said, you could put the Forgotten Sons in that spot. You could put Undisputed Era in that spot. We've seen we've seen Undisputed Era as tag team champions twice before, um, but they were greatest tag team champions. They had a lot of memorable matches with Sanity, Mustache Mountain, you name them. They faced them uh, War Raiders earlier this year, so. Uh, seeing them with the Street Profits, a match I don't think we've ever seen before in NXT, would be pretty cool. Or the Forgotten Sons, like you said. There was a lot of heat for um, Jackson Riker coming out and almost helping them win, which I thought personally, I mean, it was a well-done angle to make them look as strong as possible, which I don't know if it was necessary, but um, it kind of hurt the flow of the match a little bit for me. But uh, what would you think, Sal? Did you think that spot added to the match with Jackson Riker coming out and laying out everyone? Or... Uh-huh. Or was it, you know, what, did it hurt the match for you, too? I don't think it, like, hurt the match, but I don't think it necessarily helped. Like, it was, like, a nice spot, and I guess it got the crowd going for heat. So I understood that. But I think if you cut it down just maybe uh, by a few minutes, because he was basically just out there, like, dominating for, like, all, like, three, four minutes. So maybe just a minute instead of having him, like, beat out there for, like, three, four minutes, I think would have been a better option till they finally all just stomp on him and then got him out of the ring. But I think it didn't help or hurt the match. But I also don't think it was necessary. 
No, yeah, I don't think it ruined the match. I would have done without it personally, but uh, just because I'm not a big Forgotten Sons fan personally, but I thought it was okay, and like I said, the outcome was at least the right one, because it did make me worried there for a while that he was going to help the rest of the Forgotten Sons win the tag team titles, but thankfully that was not the case, and the Street Profits are the new are the new NXT tag team champions. Um, after that, NXT North American Championship on the line, Velveteen Dream, Tyler Breeze, First time ever. Great to see Tyler Breeze back in the black and yellow brand for the first time in several years. I mean, he had a one-off match with Ricochet back in December, but beyond that, he has not been a part of NXT full-time since 2015. And God forbid we know that he has not been used properly on the main roster, so why not put him back in NXT? I feel like they should do that with more people. Now, NXT should not be the you know, one-stop destination for all the losers on the main roster that can't cut it over there because of bad booking, but someone like a Tyler Breeze would, um, you know, has already greatly benefited from being back in NXT where he really shined before he got called up about four years ago. But I thought this was a very good performance from him. Um, was far from a show stealer, but from a storytelling standpoint, a psychology standpoint, I thought this was a great match. Another quality contest from the Velveteen Dream who always does his best to, uh, leave his mark on these takeovers. He's always one of the bright spots of these shows. Um, but yeah, Tyler Breeze looking very good in defeat, and despite Velveteen Dream nearly cheating to retain his title, it looks like the feud is over based off the fact that they took a selfie together afterwards. So, uh, again, good match. Dream still the North American champion. Sal, what were your thoughts on it? Um, I thought it was a very good match. You know, like I said, it wasn't like a show to it, but like the psychological standpoint and like a storytelling, like, I don't know, like they're not, like Dream and uh, Breeze are pretty similar like you know obviously uh uh breeze is more of like you know that i'm like the hot shit you know kind of guy but dream and him they're both kind of like that flamboyant character down in nxt like that's why i hope dream works on the main roster but it was kind of like you know being like a mirror kind of match like in terms of like their characters Mm -hmm. does that make sense yeah um but i think obviously the right move was dream um curious to see if Breeze does anything else down in NXT, just because I think he can help the brand, and it would help him actually do stuff, and maybe put people over that are up and coming. It's better than doing nothing on the main roster, but I think it was definitely a good match, and if I had it my way, I probably would have Keith Lee in this position, but I'm not complaining with Breeze in that position. Yeah, like you said, I thought the match kind of came together a little too quickly. They should have built to this a while ago. But like you said, they're very similar character-wise. So all you really needed to tell the story of this match was that Velveteen Dream is basically Tyler Breeze circa 2015, uh, 2014, 2015, whatever. And Tyler Breeze, or Velveteen Dream rather, has now become one of the best things going in NXT after kind of taking Tyler Breeze's gimmick. So it was a story that wrote itself. They executed it very well. The actual match was very good. I would love to see a rematch. It didn't really seem like they left the door open for a rematch based off what happened afterward, but maybe it happens on NXT TV. Who knows? Um, But like we said, we mentioned Keith Lee. I said Dominic Dijakovic. Anyone else that you would like to see challenge Velveteen Dream for this championship at the next takeover. If it's not Keith Lee or Dijak, could it be someone like a Kushida who was nowhere to be seen on this show? I can definitely see a Kushida or, like I said, you can go back to the Matt Riddle match. There's so many options or even, I didn't even think about this, like if Gargano, if they do put Matt Riddle with Cole, maybe you can pick up on the Dream Gargano thing mm-hmm. here. So there's, there's a lot of possibilities that you can go in, but 
I would like to see somebody that was not on this show, like a Kushida or something like that. Like, mm. has not been featured on a takeover just to get some new exposure and new faces. Yeah, no, a Kushida who I was surprised did not see in the crowd during the course of the show. I thought for sure he would be. I mean, obviously they showed him in the audience at the last takeover, but it's not like... You know, I mean, obviously now he's on as a, he's a member of the roster, but we've seen this before where people who are not on the NXT roster, or rather are on the NXT roster, but aren't on the TakeOver card, they show up in the crowd just to get their faces out there and whatnot. Um, so I thought that was that really could have been the spot for Kushida. Um, but it doesn't really matter that he wasn't on the show as long as he's on, he's on the next show, maybe competing for this championship. But the, the cool thing about NXT is that there's so many stars on the brand right now. There's so many different people you can plug into that spot, whether it be a or Kushida. Maybe you can even do, uh, you know, a Fatal 4-Way yeah. or, something, or a Triple Threat. So, you know, you can get multiple people on there. Yeah, I'm surprised. Honestly, they have yet to do that. They did, obviously, I mean, the six-man tag team, or the six-man ladder match uh, to crown the first-ever champion over Mania Weekend last year. But I don't think beyond that we've ever seen a multi-man match for the North American Championship. Um, I could be wrong about that. I feel like, hey, maybe I've done it on TV with Ricochet, Don, and someone else. But anyway, um, this was still a great match. I would love to see that maybe at the next TakeOver put all their mid-carters into one match and just have it steal the show. And, um, and, there's... Know, and I think a Fatal 4-Way 1 would protect Dream if he was to drop the title because mm-hmm. I think it's all but it's all but confirmed that Dream will be a world champion, I would hope, in NXT before he gets called up. I mean, it, he should be. The guy is like the highlight of most of the NXT shows and takeovers, like you said. The so Dream definitely deserves that position and before he gets called up and hopefully... He does. I think Cole Dream would even be exciting, but unfortunately, I think it's a little too early to do a title versus title or title for title at SummerSlam. So mm. I would hold off on that before Dream is North American. Before Dream loses his North American title. Yeah, maybe early 2020. I could see it happening then because we still have, like you said, the Toronto show over SummerSlam weekend, and then the Survivor Series weekend show. Um, I mean, I guess they could do it then, but like I said, there's so much talent right now in NXT. I feel like they could stretch out the Dream title reign through, like, next year. And they could do a title-for-title match, which I don't think they've ever done in NXT before. Um, they could do that at Mania Weekend next year in Tampa. So that's one idea. But, uh, yeah, they were going to do Cole and Dream at one point before the last takeover. And then Ciampa got hurt, so Cole got put in the world title match. So, again, it's it's very possible that we see that at some point um, in the not-so-distant future, whether it be a Dream and Cole or at another TakeOver or whatever. But, um, yeah, I'd be a big fan of seeing that at some point down the road. And Tyler Breeze, like I said, putting him down in NXT, even, as you said, like he's if he's putting over the younger talent like a Kushida or a Keith Lee or a Dijakovic or a Matt Riddle or whatever, at least he's on the show and getting better reactions than he is on the main roster. On main event facing friggin'... Yeah, EC3 or Titus O'Neil for the upteenth time, and all that Breeze would be doing on the main roster is going for that twenty-four seven title. That's all I can see, unfortunately. Exactly, exactly. And I, I mean, I've said this before here on this show that I like the idea of the twenty-four-seven title, but at this point, it's clearly a title for the jobbers, and it's cool to see them on the TV on on TV, I guess, but. It's not like it's meaningful TV time. Like they're yeah, just it's chasing not like it's a hardcore title where like some notable names actually held the title. No, exactly. It's all losers. And even when they, you know, like Elias held it for a couple seconds earlier, you know, on Tuesday earlier this week. But it, it's been done in a way so far. And I know this is a side, you know, side tangent here. But 
Um, again, I like the idea of a 24/7 title, but all we've seen it, ha- all we've seen done with it so far, is see our truth get chased around the arena, get pinned for a couple minutes, and then take the belt back later on in the show. Now I know he had the title defense on the on the golf course this past week, which I thought was funny. Um, but other than that, though, it's not like they're really doing anything much of note with that belt. So probably Breeze is better off on NXT competing for a championship that actually has prestige in the NXT North American title. Um, so again, very good match there. We get to the NXT Women's Championship match between Shayna Baszler and Io Shirai. I thought for sure this was it. I really thought we were getting a title change here. Shayna Baszler's been champion now since October's Evolution pay-per-view. So eight months this month that she's been champion for, which is pretty crazy. Um, she seems to be a bit of a polarizing figure. Either people really like her as champion, or they don't really like her at all as champion, feeling that she damages the division, that she's not that good. I like Shayna Baszler. I think she's been a great champion so far. Um, the matches have been very good, this one being no exception. I thought it might have been the weakest match on the show, um, but it was still a very good match. Um, both women worked well together. The finish saw, once again, the rest of the four horsewomen, Sands, Ronda Rousey, of course, interfere and help um, Baszler retain the championship. Io Shirai pre- protected in defeat. And then Shirai attacked her afterwards with a kendo stick and laid her out with a moonsault on top of a chair. So it looks like the feud is not over, um, despite the you know uh, title retention from Shayna Baszler. It was a very good match. She was protected in defeat. Io Shirai, that is. And again, overall, I thought this was good. Probably the weakest match on the show, um, but that's not saying much when all the other matches were so fucking good. So uh, again, Sal, your thoughts on the women's division right now in NXT and Shayna Baszler still the NXT women's champion. I, I'm a Baszler fan, so I was fine with it. I'm also, I also like Shirai, but seems like they're going for the eventual Shirai win at the SummerSlam takeover in Toronto. That's what I got from that, you know, the baby face, you know, Baszler was absolutely hated at this event. You know, the booze were, I think she got one of the most, the most booze out of the night. Um, but I, I actually like Baszler. And like you said, I thought this was it because I personally envisioned, I don't know, I, I heard rumors of, and even I thought it would be a good idea of doing Becky Lynch Baszler into the SummerSlam pay-per-view just because, you know, you can get Baszler introduced on the roster before Ronda Rousey gets called back up to kind of get everyone ready for that four, eventual four horsewoman or four horsewoman. Sasha Banks decides to come back at some point, but that's another story for another time. But I actually thought Baszler was going to get called up. I don't know why they're taking they're waiting so long to call her up. It could be because the other two girls aren't ready to get called up yet. But obviously, it's like they are going for this match in Toronto. Yeah, I could see them again doing a rematch either. Probably a takeover, which is not for another two and a half months. They could always do it on NXT TV, but it might be they might be better off holding out until the takeover. But the cool thing about the Baszler title reign so far, in my opinion, is that they have such a wealth of talent right now in NXT, at least with, with both the men and the women. But there's so many people for Shayna to beat. Like, if Io Shirai became champion, they have Shayna Baszler. They have, honestly, I could not tell you another heel in that division. Aside from probably yeah. Bianca Belair, um, who was faced like two months ago, but I think she's back to being a heel. Um, like, would she have to face like Io Shirai and Bianca Belair? Like, I don't know. I feel like it, it seems a little random um, to just put the belt on her right now when she has no more opponents to work with after Shayna Baszler. So I would keep the belt on Baszler for the foreseeable future until they can build up another heel um, to replace Baszler when she gets called up at some point. But for Baszler, if she retains against Shirai, which I guess it's possible, 
Um, there's Shirai. There's Candice LeRae, who they've, 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 they've done the match on TV before, but never on a takeover. Mia Yim, who beat Bel- uh, Belair earlier on in the night for the NXT TV tapings. So they have a couple different options if they didn't want to necessarily give Shirai the title. Could you see, if they do it like a no-disqualification rematch in Toronto, could you see a scenario where she retains again and then her reign resumes going into a title defense against maybe, like I said, a um, you know, Candice or a Mia Yim? I could, I could see it. You know, um, I have a feeling she is dropping it, but I could see her transition into one of those matches. You know, I don't know. I it seems like uh, Triple H is a big Baszler fan. He sees a lot in her, so he seems to have. If not, that's one of his most protected talents in NXTs, you know, in a long time. You know, obviously there's others, but she's very protected. Like, I think she's pinned only been, only been pinned a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, this the way she presents herself, and I just thought she was going to get called up. Um, so, I don't know, but I think she does have to drop the title to hear Shirai, just the way it went. Before she gets called up, I mean, she can necessarily get called up with the title. They've done it with many people before, but... I think Toronto should be it, but if it isn't, I could see her going to one of those, or maybe Bianca Belair goes back to being a face, just because, you know, who the hell knows, people mm-hmm. do that all the time in WWE. Yeah, no, exactly. That happens constantly on the main roster, so why not in NXT, but, yeah, no, I, I could very well see that match going either way, but either way, this was a good match, um, and yeah, Shayna Baszler is still the NXT Women's Champion, looking forward to seeing where they go from here with it, and uh, Baszler, I've been enjoying the rain, and Honestly, like you said, she's been main roster ready now for a while, like a long time, and she's one of those women who didn't have much experience in the wrestling world when she first debuted a year and a half ago, um, but she's come a long way since then and has been one of the better prospects on that brand, so I honestly kind of fear for when she gets called up, but we'll talk about that after the takeover yeah. review and my thoughts on like the, the call-ups and why they probably yeah. shouldn't happen. Um, but we get to the main event, NXT Championship here, rematch from TakeOver New York just two short months ago. We had Johnny Gargano defending against Adam Cole. No stipulation this time, um, but this was another amazing match. It's really debatable as to which match was better. I still say the New York match was slightly better, but this match was also excellent. Um, this was really good, a lot of great drama. If you're one of those people that doesn't like like people constantly kicking out of near falls or ki- constantly kicking out of finishers, this match may not be for you. But aside from that, though, I thought it added to the suspense of the match, the intrigue, the drama. Everything about this was just absolutely amazing. And the crowd was eating up every fucking near fall in this match. They were going nuts. Like, the crowd, you, you, you could see the roof blow off that place when Adam Cole finally won the match. And no interference, either. We thought there might be after the referee got knocked out towards the end, but Adam Cole won clean as a sheet and is now the new NXT champion celebrating with the rest of Undisputed Era afterward. Again, huge reaction. And I knew as soon as this show started, and maybe you can shine some light on this for me, Sal, but as as soon as the show started and they showed Johnny Gargano walking to the arena and all this other stuff, he got like a lot of booze. And I saw a lot of people saying this on Twitter and in reports, reviews and stuff. Oh, you know, Johnny Gargano was slightly booed. Uh, no, this was like heavy booze. Like you thought, I would think that if I wasn't an NXT fan, that the guy would be a heel. He was. Yeah, this was like a. This was like a. Basically, the way I said it, like obviously there was people who were Gargano's fans, but Gargano basically was the Roman Reigns of NXT that night. 
He was. He really was, which is shocking because he got a huge reaction when he won the championship literally two months ago. And I mean, I guess NXT fans and just wrestling fans in general are so fickle. But I'm one of those people, though. I went nuts when Gargano won the belt. But I think as soon as this show started, you knew it was Cole's time. Because if Cole did not win the championship here, this place would have rioted. And they like Gargano, but I think people just... It's not that they hate Johnny Gargano. It's just that they really fucking love Adam Cole. So... The guy came across as a complete star, and I think having him win the belt, although Gargano's reign was short-lived, I thought it was the best possible outcome. Gargano, he's an underdog. He's better in Chiefs mode anyway. So he got his moment. He finally won the belt. It's better than him never winning the belt. And now he can go back in Chiefs mode, and they can build to a third match either at the next TakeOver or an upcoming episode of NXT TV. So, again, everything about this was pure perfection, and the outcome was exactly what it needed to be. Another match of the year candidate. Uh, with Johnny Gargano and Adam Cole. NXT, con- it, it seems like for the last five years, the best match in WWE has always come out of NXT. So whether it's this match or their first encounter in New York, I would say they're neck and neck for WWE match of the year right now. Um, but no, I thoroughly enjoyed this. So uh, your reaction, Sal, to Adam Cole becoming the all-new NXT champion and what it means for Johnny Gargano going forward. I thought it was the right move for Adam Cole, whether it was before if Gargano is dealing with a little bit of a minor injury. I thought it was Cole's time, so maybe Triple H realized that, and maybe Triple H knew this was going to be an Adam Cole uh, city um, or state, or just because, like you said, I don't think it's that Gargano's hit. I think it was just everyone just throwing to Adam Cole that he had to win. Like, it was almost like if he didn't win, the place was going to riot. Like, like, he knew that the roof was going to come down. Yeah. So I think it was the right move for Cole to win. I'm interested to see where it goes. I definitely think this match is good, but the other one was better. But in Gargano's and Cole's defense, they had one fall to work with instead of three falls. Mm-hmm. So that had a little bit to do with it, I think. Like, I was surprised this match didn't have any stipulation, and that's probably due to the latter match, I'm assuming, on this card. Maybe he maybe he didn't want to over-stipulate the matches, Triple H. Um, but I thought the story was well done. You know, they had callbacks to the, you know, the previous match and definitely match of the night and when Adam Cole won, I had the loudest pop I have ever heard it live. Like, the pop was absolutely insane. Like, I'm pretty sure I still deaf in my right ear from the person next to me, but it was, <laughs> it, yeah, it was definitely like, I, I was in the section, it was all Adam Cole fans, I did not see, I saw maybe like two Johnny Gargano fans in my section. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the thing. I feel like a lot of these people, again, they like Johnny, but Adam Cole had to win here. Like, there was no doubt about it. Whether he was injured or not, Cole, or, you know, Gargano had to lose, and Gargano had to become, or uh, Cole had to become champion. But uh, that reaction was unbelievable. So, again, I point to anybody who wants to shit on Connecticut for being a bad crowd. I say watch this show. Because it's not, it's not the audience. It's not the fans. It's the show that you give them. If you give us a good enough reason to react the way that we do then we'll go nuts. And I think that was evident with this show. Um, and we just, it was, it was crazy in there. It was one of the loudest reactions I've ever seen live. One of my favorite moments I've ever seen live. And I've been to like a million shows. But uh, this was just, uh, this was on another level. And Adam Cole got to celebrate with the rest of Undisputed Era. Just really cool stuff. Just really cool. After him debuting in NXT two years ago, becoming NXT North American champion, tag team champion, Dusty Tag Team Classic winner as well. The guy's done it all, and now he's finally the NXT champion atop the totem pole on the brand where he belongs. So like I said, I think a third match is likely, and we will see it either at the next TakeOver in two and a half months or 
on an episode of NXT TV uh, on an episode of NXT TV between now and then. Now, the question here, Sal, is do you put Gargano on the main roster when this feud is over? I don't see him regaining the gold. I don't think he should regain the gold. I think Cole should hold on to the belt for as long as possible until maybe like Ciampa comes back. That would be pretty sick. That'd be a great story to tell. But um yeah, so what do you do with Gargano? Do you have him stay put in NXT? Or do you take the risk in putting him on the main roster where he will very likely flounder because of how bad the creative's been in recent months? So, you know, Gargano has done it all in NXT, and, you know, obviously you can very well find stuff from do. He was kind of on the main roster, and I think he was going to stay on the main roster until the whole Tampa getting hurt thing happened. And I also think they pulled him off from the main roster because they were actually feuding at the time, so it made no sense for them to be in a tag team. You know, but I think uh, it's hard because, you know, it can go either way. Um, I personally would keep him in NXT until Ciampa eventually comes back. And either A, maybe Ciampa goes right for the uh, NXT championship, or maybe for one more time, Gargano and Ciampa go for the tag team titles and win the tag team titles one last time before they get both get called up on the same night. I think Ciampa and Gargano going up as a tag team will help them both in the long run before calling them up as singles competitors. So I would keep Gargano in NXT. I'm of the mindset now, though, coming out of you know recent episodes of Raw and SmackDown, although the guy deserves to be on the main roster, I agree. I think he should stay put in NXT for the foreseeable future. It's not just... I don't know. I feel like after what we've seen from the main roster in the last, I don't know, six months... Um, especially with a recent batch of call-ups. Because it seems like at this point, they've taken all the excitement out of seeing our favorite NXT stars on the main shows. At this point, I almost don't want them to be called up. I think they should stay right where they are. Aleister Black has done nothing since being called up. Um, I know they're doing the whole vignettes on SmackDown, and that's cool and all, but it screams to me like they have no plan for the guy. Ricochet's been trading wins with Cesaro. He's not buried by any means. But it's not like it's not like he's lighting the world on fire either. And then the where are the War Raiders like the, the War Raiders. They, they haven't been on Raw in weeks. EC3's been completely I mean, buried. They're finally using Nikki Cross, but Jesus Christ! Revival I mean, became a joke comedy act. <laughs> who did Heavy Machinery? Uh, revival. Oh, the Revival too. I mean, yeah, the Revival. Heavy Machinery is another one. Ember Moon. Where the hell has she been? Alexa Bliss is a fucking Raw superstar getting a SmackDown title shot, and Ember Moon's on SmackDown and she's nowhere to be seen. So again. It's, it's at a point, and this has been the case for a long time, where I feel like you either sink or swim on the main roster, in that there were I always... The what you say? The only person who's actually doing well, he's with Shane Man right now, but the only person who I, I came out of NXT was Drew McIntyre, but that has to do because the guy's like 6'7", and like, you know, Vince McMahon's love child, like exactly what Vince McMahon pictures as a raw superstar, but mm-hmm. uh, that's, that's exact, but other than that, I think Drew McIntyre's the only notable pull-up in the last year. And even McIntyre, like even McIntyre, he was a guy that was building momentum, was Raw Tag Team Champion, beat Dean Ambrose, beat Rollins. I think people forget that he pinned Seth Rollins before WrestleMania, which went fucking nowhere. Um, Never beat Roman Reigns. They're having another match for whatever reason at Stomping Grounds. Who gives a shit? But before Mania, the guy was on a roll. And now he's just another lackey for Shane McMahon. And anything, if if you associate yourself with Shane, you are doomed to fail. Look at the Revival. They're losers at this point. Elias is a loser. Drew McIntyre will be no different unless he ditches this guy sometime soon. 
So, again, it's getting to a point now where it's completely ridiculous. And even he is definitely the best of the bunch. But and I don't even understand why they threw McIntyre with Shane McMahon because the whole reason why he turned on Dolph Ziggler is because, you know, McIntyre wants to be on by himself and he wanted to be that dominant singles guy. I'm like, pretty sure he, like, was, like, prove the point as to why. And then they just throw him in this group that broke losers. Like, it oh. makes no sense for the guy. It hurts the guy. And, mm-hmm. and Drew McIntyre... He still is one of my favorite guys on the Raw roster. Like, I do see big things for him. But if they keep going this way, people are going to, the casual audience is going to lose the credibility. And that's sad, but I I eventually wanted to see, you know, that Lesnar McIntyre match. Or I thought McIntyre was going to want to take it off Rollins at SummerSlam. That's what I saw. But mm-hmm. right, I do not see that. Yeah, I mean, they could always rebuild him up to be a threat to uh, a Rollins or a Brock at some point. But it's like. Jesus Christ, the guy was on a roll two months ago, but in that time, they've already reduced him to, you know, loser level to becoming a punching bag for Roman Reigns. And I know he laid him out on Raw and SmackDown this week. Okay, but like, by and large, though, he's losing a Roman every other week. And it's very clear that the real feud here is Roman and Shane, not Roman and Drew. And even then, we've seen Roman and Drew a million times before, going into WrestleMania, coming out of WrestleMania. I'm done with Roman and Drew, but they don't want to give up on that dream for whatever reason. So, uh, yeah, it, it's it's just a fucking mess. It's at a point now where I really dread seeing anyone get called up. I would rather see people either get called down to NXT like a Tyler Breeze or just stay where they are. I feel like NXT, yeah, it's developmental, but it's at a point now where they should just make it like an official third brand where as opposed to just, you know, switching shows between Raw and SmackDown and the Superstar Shake-Up, people can go to NXT too. Like, that's what it should be. Not everyone. Like, I don't want to see all the losers from Raw and SmackDown on NXT to uh, rejuvenate their careers. I have no no desire to see, like, a Titus O'Neil or an Eric Young back in NXT. Um, but, like, the bigger names, like an EC3, why not put him back where he was? Because he's doing nothing right now. And um, Gargano, I, I honestly fear for his future because he's in NXT putting forth the best matches of our generation in WWE with Andrade, Tommaso Ciampa, Adam Cole. The guy is like a modern-day Shawn Michaels, and I hate comparing people to other people, but it's true. Like, no one of this generation is as close to being what Shawn Michaels was to the late 90s, early 2000s than what Gargano is currently. And I feel like as soon as you call him up, he's just another guy. He's like the next Cedric Alexander the next Cesaro, who's a good hand in the ring, who can, might have the occasional very good match, but, like, will never get beyond a certain level. That's what yeah, happened to Neville and a lot of other people. It's sad, but, like, you know, I feel bad for obviously people they call up. I feel bad for the superstars, but the one I actually really feel bad for is Triple H, because Triple H takes his time to build these guys and actually make them a superstar and all, for them to get called up and just become losers, and that... You know, we all hear the rumors and speculation. We don't know for sure, but I'm sure Triple H is very frustrated with Vince McMahon and the creative team because he takes the time to build up these superstars for them just to do nothing. No, exactly. Absolutely. I tweeted out uh, just a few months ago and the news broke that the Revival wanted out and Ty Dillinger and then Hideo Itami asked for his release. Now, Sasha Banks is sitting out right now. And these are all NXT stars, all people who had, you know, a decent amount of success in NXT who were killing it down there, on the takeovers, won championships, and then they get to the main roster and they see their passion for pro wrestling just killed dead. It's unbelievable. Like, I mean, you heard the Moxley interview, I'm sure, with Derek on the podcast. Yeah. Moxley just talked about how things are run, and he said that 
you know, obviously he said that, like, towards the end, he had no motivation for this. Similar, he, like, lost his spirit. He lost, like, you know, lost his spirit for wrestling, almost like CM Punk did, and this, like, was done. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and luckily he still loved wrestling enough to go do something else, but, you know, CM Punk's someone who still, to this day, does not want to wrestle because of what WWE, the way it is and how it is. Exactly. Exactly. And they're just killing the... The passion of these people with the way they're booking them on the main roster. So I'm sure anyone, and I'm sure a lot of people, if not everyone in NXT, heard that fucking podcast. You would have to be living under a rock to have not heard that John Moxley podcast with Chris Jericho. So after hearing that podcast, why would any one of them want to go to Raw or SmackDown at this point? Like, why would you want to be called up aside from, yeah, maybe the pay grade? But like, knowing what they go through and what they have to deal with, why would anyone want to willingly be called up. Like, I I think it, they, they might just request to stay right where they are. And if Vince has no plans for these people, oh, give me Gargano. Okay, for what, though? To do what? To, to have a match with Cesaro this week and then nothing the next week? Like, same thing with the War Raiders. They got called up randomly in the midst of their tag team title reign, which is so stupid because they should have been down in NXT right now. They, they could have been in that ladder match to take over if Vince all of a sudden didn't wake up one morning and wanted them on the main roster for no reason because they're not even on the show. They have not been on the show for, like, close to a month. So, again, it's completely ridiculous. But uh, that was TakeOver, though. Before we get to uh, Super Showdown 2019, which we'll do uh, uh, a quick round of predictions for, your overall thoughts, Sal, on NXT TakeOver 25? You know, being there live, obviously helped a lot I like I, said, I don't know how it came across on TV um, but being there live it was definitely one of my favorite takeovers um, I'm trying not to be biased because I'm not going to say it's the best takeover because I don't think that by all means but being there live definitely helped and I think even if I wasn't there live it would rank up there as one of the top five just because the Cole win the Street Proctor win you know the Matt Riddle or Matt Riddle got a strong match you know there was many notable things in the match like there was very few things that hurt hurt the show like you know the show Ryan Baylor wasn't all that exciting but other than that pretty much everything else was an exciting match and exciting and I was pretty much on my feet the whole night cheering and by the end of the night my voice is gone so I would definitely say it was a success yeah no definitely I thought overall it was a great show NXT like I said earlier never ceases to deliver these takeovers or never anything less than good and this was one of the better ones I've seen. I feel like every time they put forth an amazing show, they continue to set the bar. I still say the New York one is the best one they've ever done. But this one's up there. This one you know, gave that New York show a run for its money um, with what they produced here. I thought the Cole Gargano, ba- not Baszler and uh, Shirai, but rather the tag team title match and then the opener, Riddle and Strong, were at least four stars or above and were some of the best matches I've seen in this company all year. And uh, just that what's, that's what made it a hell of a show. And the other two matches weren't bad either. They were very good. So two thumbs up overall and, for uh, for TakeOver. Any additional thoughts? As good as the show was, like, I just feel like, I logged on to Twitter, expecting people like, oh my God, TakeOver was amazing, yada, yada, yada. And I saw that, but most of the, most of the thing I saw was, like, oh, Double or Nothing was better. NXT was better than Double or Nothing. People were still comparing the two shows. And I'm just like... Can people stop? It's not a sin to like both AEW and WWE. I don't know <laughs> yeah. why people don't understand that, but people think to seem that you cannot like both. Well, and I don't understand. It's not like you're. It's not like being a Yankees fan and a Red Sox fan at the same time. You mm-hmm. know that that's 
something that you don't do, but it's WWE and AEW. Like, it's two completely different companies, and no one's saying you can't be a fan of both. No, absolutely. I think that was just for... what it didn't. I mean, yeah, I would... Hopefully, I would not like to see that in the future, but I would hope that going forward, that it'll be less of a thing. I think the only real reason why that happened this time around was because we had Double or Nothing less than a week ago at the time that TakeOver happened. Yeah. And then TakeOver happened the very next week. So, I mean, as long as they space out the shows in the future and they're not happening week after week, then I don't know if that'll be as much of an issue. But yeah, they're both great shows. I thought I did think TakeOver was better personally. We are going to... You know, if it has to be said, but Double or Nothing was also yeah. a great show, and um, there's nothing. I mean, you were there, so I do. Yeah, no, I mean personally, I mean again, it's if if you said Double or Nothing was better, I wouldn't argue with you. Like it's all personal preference. Um, but they were both great. I enjoyed both shows, being at both, and really, NXT's not the winner in this rivalry. Double or not, or AEW is not the winner here. Really, the fans are the winners. If we're yeah, getting, man. you know, if we're getting great shows like these two shows were. Hey, there's nothing to complain about. It's better than Raw and SmackDown in the pay-per-views. I mean, Money in the Bank, actually. To not lie, that was a good show, too. But uh, we got three great shows, three weekends in a row, so I can't complain. Um, but if that's what we're going to be getting from AEW and specifically NXT going forward, then I think that's only a plus. So less of the bickering but with people of the, oh, what's better, NXT, AEW, blah, 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 New Japan, who gives a shit? Like, they're all great. Let's just enjoy it for what it is. Because if this is the type of content we're getting... Um, from each of these takeovers and pay-per-views from AEW, then I think we're uh, in a pretty good spot right now with and, all the uh, with all the wrestling companies. I mean, hey, we ain't doing it, but you know, let's be honest, we're gonna we're bound to get the pay-per-view of the year this Friday with Superstar Showdown, sarcasm, of course. But... <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. In Saudi Arabia, on that note, we'll get started here. We'll go down some, uh, go through some quick predictions for the pay-per-view. I'm gonna be honest with you, Sal. I could not give two shits about this show. Um, so less said about this event, the better. We'll start with the 50-man battle royale. For what reason they're having this, I have no fucking clue. They did that Royal Rumble last year. It was a mess. It was awful. I mean, I saw some people that liked it. If you liked it, that's great. Personally, I thought it was terrible. Um, this will be no different. I could, I mean, actually, Strowman's in another match, so it's not like he can go 2-0 in those type of matches. This isn't a Rumble. It's, a, it's just a straight-up battle royal. Um, they have to have a bigger ring. I don't know how you fit 50 men in one ring. I don't know how the hell that's possible. Um, I know Elias is in it, Gallows and Anderson are in it, Mojo Raleigh is in it, and that's four people out of 50. So, of course, they're going to throw in all the losers, and then all, like, a lot of NXT people, I'm sure. Um, like, last year we had fucking, you know, Roderick Strong was in the Rumble last year, which was cool. But then for every Roderick Strong, you had, like, a Hornswoggle, which was beyond random. They uh, I had Matt Riddle was announced for it. Wow. Are you supposed to be in it? For what was I that? I saw that somewhere. Oh, that, you, that Matt Riddle was flown out to the show? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's supposed to be in that uh, Battle Royal. That's what I heard. Hey, I would love to see that. Anything is uh, anything is better than, like, last year they had a Dan Matha in there. Who cares? Baba Tunda? Like, who the fuck are these people? Like, why should I give a shit? So, um, hopefully this one is a bit better. But the Battle Royals are very hit or miss. With so many people, this, this will be a mess. But uh, if you had to pick one person off the top of your head, Sal, who wins this thing? If he's even in a battle royale or not, and deciding not to be Sam Blackie, I would say Drew McIntyre. I mean, he's probably the not- most notable star that's not in a match on the card. If not Drew McIntyre, then I will with Joe. I mm-hmm. mean, there's really nobody that I can't even think of. I mean, 
I don't think he debuted Bray Wyatt on the show because I would say that will re-debut Bray Wyatt on this show. I think you should wait. I hope they don't redo debut Brian for Bray Wyatt for him to win. Please don't do that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I agree. McIntyre. <laughs> yeah, why not McIntyre? I'm thinking of like another fan favorite, like with Strowman last year when he won. But do they even have anyone on this roster that makes sense? I mean, Roman's already in another match. Uh, I mean, Brian's not going to be there. Cena's not going to be there. Mm-hmm. They don't want to fly out there. Uh, I mean, I mean, Lesnar's not. I mean, Lesnar's not. Unless Lesnar catches in, or Lesnar doesn't catch in, Lesnar just wins out of nowhere. I don't know who you do. Like this, they didn't announce enough people. And like you said, I feel like this fifty-man battle royal is going to be a cluster shithole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, honestly, you mentioned it right there. It's We'll just say it's Brock Lesnar. I'm going to go with Brock Lesnar. Like, he did it Money in the Bank. Maybe that's his new gimmick where he inserts himself in matches where he's not announced. And, like, it's down to two people. It's down to fucking R-Truth and Eric Young or whatever. And then Brock Lesnar comes down, throws them both out, and wins the thing. And then, you know, decides to cash in the contract and Rollins. Uh, he's, like, demanding that he comes out so he can cash in on him. Maybe, maybe that's what happens. I don't know. But just for the hell of it, because like you said, Lesnar is advertised for the show. He will be on the show. He promised to cash in on the show. He's not, I mean, I thought he was wrestling, so uh, you know what, fuck it. I'll just go with Brock Lesnar. So you said Drew McIntyre? Yeah, I'm going to go with McIntyre, but it's like, I could see Brock Lesnar at this point, but yeah, I'm going to go with McIntyre. Yeah, Lesnar showing up just to throw over a bunch of jobbers. I would love to see R-Truth take uh, an F5 or... Whoever else, uh, you know, EC3. Um, and then, uh, what's gonna, even if Archer's in that, what's going to be the whole 24-7? Are they going to be able to pin our truth not pin our truth like our producer to do the Battle Royal featuring 24-7 title? Like, hey, you know what? I think as cool as that would be, I think we're putting more thought into that than the actual company is. Um, so I'm not exactly sure what they have planned for. They probably have no plans. They're, they're Like they did with on SmackDown last week where they're like, oh, we're going to call off the 24-7 role for an hour. Like That defeats yeah. the whole purpose of the title. So, uh, I don't know. That that would make this interesting, but it would just be amazing, like, if it came down to EC3, like, who finally picks up a big win, and then, like, Lesnar shows up out of nowhere and then, like, oh, tosses him out. You know, that then it'd be great. So, you know what? Fuck it. I'll go with Brock Lesnar. Um, let's see here. Finn Balor, Andrade for the Intercontinental Championship. They have barely built up this feud. I forgot this was even on the show. I mean, Balor's going to be the demon. It should be a great match. Honestly, of all the matches in the ring that I'm looking forward to, this one, I think, has the most potential. Um, but yeah, I don't think Andrade's winning. They have yet to beat the Demon on the main roster. I think Finn Balor wins. Yeah, I think uh, Finn Balor definitely wins. I think that yeah, the Demon remains undefeated. It seems like Demon is going to remain undefeated for a while. Maybe he'll eventually lose, but like that's another topic. So Balor. Yeah, no, to have him get beat as the Demon on Super Showdown of all events would be a complete waste. Although I love Andrade. Um, three-on-one handicap match, Lars Sullivan, Lucha House Party. Is this even a question? Lars Sullivan goes over, and we can finally move on from this feud. Yes, Lars Sullivan, and hopefully we can finally go get out of this and go to something new. Exactly, going to something a little more important than the Lucha House Party. Um, let's see, Braun Strowman, Bobby Lashley, coming off their riveting arm wrestling match on Raw this week. We'll be going one-on-one at Super Showdown. Braun Strowman wins. I don't know why he would lose here. He wasn't even at the last pay-per-view. He got kicked off the last pay-per-view main event. So, I mean, the guy needs a win. I guess he got he won the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. But, again, who cares? Who gives a shit? The guy's yeah, a loser. He's so damaged. So I, I think he wins. I mean, yeah, they're, I'm going Braun. I mean, I, unfortunately, Braun to me is a loser now. Lashley's a loser. So, it's, I'm going Braun. 
It, yeah, it, it's loser city all over this event card. So yeah, I got Strowman winning here too. Um, ba ba ba. Triple H versus Randy Orton for the upteenth time. I think it's actually the seventeenth, eighteenth match they've had in WWE. I counted the other day, which is pretty crazy. Counting Raws, pay per views, TV shows, everything. Seventeenth uh, match, first one in a decade though. Doesn't matter who wins. I think Triple H wins. I don't know why Orton or Triple H would lose to Orton of all people. Um, I really do not care about this at all. I think Triple H wins. Yeah, uh, your thoughts? I'm going Triple H. You know, I, I mean, they Triple. I mean, you have two guys that. I mean, they can do exciting stuff in the ring, but it seems like them two together just doesn't. They don't seem to mesh too well. WrestleMania 25 being an example, so mm-hmm. I'm not too excited. Yeah, no, I think they their their chemistry is not the strongest. They've had some good matches against each other years ago, but. Of the 17 matches I've seen with them, only maybe three to be generous. Or I think probably like, like... there are no mercy matches on one of those ones that was exciting. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Triple H on this. Yeah, I, I, I say the same. I think the match could be interesting, but like that's being generous again, optimistically speaking. But I do think Triple H goes over. Um, Rollins and Corbin for the Universal Championship. It's way too soon to take the belt off of um, Seth Rollins. So I'm going to say Rollins wins and Lesnar does not cash in and the trolling continues. Um, yeah, I'm going to go Rollins and I'm going to go no cash in, whether, like you said, maybe he comes out in the Battle Royale or something or he attempts to cash in and Rollins gets away and he's got to whatever happens. Or he mobilizes him or stomps him. Yeah, but I'm going to go Rollins and Rollins gets away. No cash in. Yeah, hopefully Rollins wins with ease and we don't have a continuation of this feud because I have no desire to see Rollins and Corbin in the next couple months on Raw and on pay-per-views and stuff like that. And I mean, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure uh, if Styles wasn't hurt, we would have been getting around Styles again. Mm-hmm. But then Styles, Styles ended up getting uh, a little bit injured and that might make bad. So I'm pretty sure we were supposed to get Rollins-Styles again, which would have been more exciting, obviously. So Yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess everything works out for a reason. I think it might be a good thing that they waited because now that Styles is hurt, they could always wait until maybe not stomping grounds, but like uh, maybe SummerSlam. Maybe at SummerSlam they go back to that match, and that's where AJ wins. Who knows? But that, that's what I would maybe like to AJ, say. Maybe he's going to turn AJ to a heel or mm-hmm. back to a heel, one or the other. Yeah, they're, they're definitely the most two interesting characters on that show right now. Corbin does just absolutely nothing for me, so I think Rollins wins here. Um, I almost forgot Roman Reigns versus Super Shane McMahon on this show. Roman's got to win. Shane beat The Miz, which was a, an absolute joke. Miz is dead in the water at this point. Um, Roman would have to win, right? Yeah, Roman's going to win. I mean, it's. I don't think Roman... I'm pretty sure, like, the last three weeks, Shane McMahon has got the upper hand on Roman to try and make McMahon look like the strongest guy in the roster, but it just does not happen. It rains, wins here. I'm assuming it's going to be a coast-to-coast spear spot. That's my prediction. That's probably what's going to happen. Yeah, I think they did that at Survivor Series a few years ago, and it came off pretty well, so I would like to see a repeat of that in this match, but Roman wins, LOL. Then we get to the main event, Goldberg versus Undertaker. They actually announced the match, I don't know if you know, but this is a I Honestly, I saw that earlier before we started talking. Completely forgot about it. That's how little I care. But we'll talk about that, like you said, on the kickoff show. And then we also have Kofi Ziggler. <laughs> oh my god, I'm a Jesus Christ, I'm forgetting all about this show. I'm forgetting all about these yeah, matches. No, right. But I guess I'll go with Usos, Kofi. <laughs> oh my god, this show's a mess. That's how little I care about this show. Uh, yeah, I'll go Usos too, and I think Kofi retains, definitely. If Ziggler wins, we're all doomed. I like Ziggler, but like, 
The guy's been beat like a fucking drum by this point. There's no no, no point having him win and, and win the championship from Kofi. Kofi should be champion for a while at this point. If he wasn't going to lose it to Kevin Owens of all people, it should not be Dolph Ziggler. And I don't think that happens in Saudi Arabia anyway. Um, now we get to the main event. Are, are there any have, are there any other matches I'm forgetting now? Um, we did. No, that is it. Um, yeah, we got over everything. So yeah, the main event is Undertaker. Undertaker Goldberg, unless WWE adds another match um, on their breaking news stream on the app before this you know show goes up, in which case who cares? But let's talk Goldberg Taker here. Um, I don't really care about this match. I think Goldberg wins. I don't know. I really I don't know. I mean Goldberg. First of all, I think it's a waste of his return because that that last Lesnar match that he had was excellent. Was way better than I had any right to be. Um, so him coming back with this shit just bothers me. Uh, I don't know. I feel like Taker, not that he needs a win, he's the Undertaker, but like he lost to Triple H. He lost to DX. And he has yet to, he has not won a match in like a year on TV. Then again, Goldberg hasn't won since he beat Lesnar two years ago. So they're both losers. Um, I'll go Undertaker. I think Goldberg is pretty much done after this. So I think he loses yeah. and that's it. So I'm I'll say Taker. Go Undertaker as well because I think Undertaker. I was almost done, hopefully. I mean, we always think Undertaker's almost done, but that it's five years later after WrestleMania 30, so... I mean, yeah, exactly. Realistically speaking, I would have Goldberg go over just because he's in way, way, way better shape than Undertaker. Undertaker looks like a friggin' dinosaur every time he walks out there. I fear for the guy's, like, well-being. Um, oh, well, you know, he looked great when he chokeslammed Elias. Yeah, it's one spot, people. It's well, one spot, of course. I mean, and I, I'm pretty sure they had a plan for... Undertaker Elias at this, but then the, they wanted Goldberg there, so they got Goldberg. And I, I fear, I really hope this is going to come a no contest and, like, you know, you get McIntyre and Elias barking out there and this becomes a tag team match. I fear for that. Oh, but God. I don't put a to be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Another bait and switch from this company is the last thing we need yeah, on this show. Because, you know, Vince can't decide to put over Undertaker or Goldberg, so he's just like, oh, put a tag team match, let them be friends, and mm-hmm. put on a squash match real fast. Honestly, I expect that to happen, but if it doesn't happen, if we if we get lucky and we actually get the match, although I don't know how lucky we are for actually getting this match, but I think Taker wins, Goldberg goes out with another loss. The guy never really loses, but I don't know why would you ever yeah. win if he's not coming I mean, back? I don't I don't think Goldberg's gonna mind losing for a couple million. So yeah, no, exactly. I don't think he gets two shits. I mean, it would realistically the guy hits two spears and it's over. Like if they book this match. Like the 90-second squash that their Survivor Series match with Goldberg and Lesnar was a few years ago, I'd be a happy man. I don't see that happening though. Yeah, now either do I. It's unfortunately, you know, and I don't think that. I mean, they both. You have two guys who both need someone to carry them, so mm-hmm. that's gonna be interesting to see how this match goes. I mean, Undertaker back in the day was phenomenal. Goldberg back in the day was phenomenal, but yeah, you have two guys that pretty much need someone to carry them at this point mm-hmm. and they both can't carry each other no exactly exactly i think we're at a point now where even with this show um the whole show is going to be interesting to see like you said this match will be interesting to, to watch i think the whole show will be interesting and not for the right reasons and, either you know they, i mean i didn't even honestly like i didn't even watch crown jewel i didn't even watch the other superstar showdown in australia mm-hmm. when michael's returned like i just don't care about these shows because first time I watched was this one big glorified house show that's what it was mm-hmm. I just had no interest no after that like, yeah. like I thought it was gonna be good I thought it was because they hype it up as like this 
second WrestleMania of the year, yada yada, just as good as WrestleMania, but then it just under delivers. No, exactly. That's their biggest issue. I mean, the show's going to be terrible either way, but when they say that it's, oh, the second coming of WrestleMania, that is the absolute worst thing they can do because they are setting themselves up for failure when they say and shit then, like that, you know? And when they say that, it kind of hurts WrestleMania because then it's like you're kind of shitting on your own company because WrestleMania is supposed to be the biggest event. Like, nothing's supposed to touch WrestleMania, mm-hmm. so just to promote it as that, it's like, why? Exactly. And the worst part is, is that... I don't even want another WrestleMania. I mean, WrestleMania was like two days long this year. Why would I want another and, WrestleMania with this show? And at least, you know, WrestleMania's going to Florida, but I don't think it's too long. I mean, hopefully never, but maybe five years from now we get WrestleMania in Saudi Arabia, you know? <laughs> oh, God, don't give them ideas. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Hey, you know, if that's what the Saudi Prince wants, then, you know, Vince is going to deliver. Hey, I was going to say, the Saudi Prince, if he wants it, he gets it. He wanted the Ultimate Warrior and Yokozuna last year's show. Um, I, I get, That must have been a tough conversation to have to tell the guy that they're both dead. Yeah. Um, hey, but hopefully the Saudi Prince, hopefully one of us can like slide into his DMs and tell him, hey, you're, you got to become a big CM Punk fan. Be a big, you know, whatever yeah. fan. You know, something like that, like so we can get someone good on one of these shows. But yeah, no, I, hopefully, I mean, I think they're due to go back there in November, so... But, like I said, I just don't care about this show. I'm actually working the night, the day it is, and I care less than I'm working. That is perfect. At least you have an excuse to not watch. It's, that's amazing. Whatever day it's in November, like you said, I'll be sure to find something, anything to do, whether it's washing a car or whatever the fuck it is, washing my dog or whatever, because these shows are atrocious. And the sad part is, like, last year, I don't know if you saw it, because you were at the Royal Rumble Live this year, right? Uh, last year I was, yeah. Last year, yeah, but this year, I don't know if you noticed, but they brought, like, they literally, like, because even though the Royal Rumble happened, that 50-man Royal Rumble, they took stats from that and, like, put it in the real Rumble stats. So, like, Daniel Bryan's length is an actual stat over Mysterio's actual Royal Rumble length, and Braun Strowman's eliminations over Reigns now. Like, they took the greatest Royal Rumble ever oh. and put them as Royal Rumble stats now. That's awful, and it makes no sense because it was 50 men, so of course they were going to break records with it. You know what I mean? I hate that yeah. they did that. I, I feared that they would do that. It annoys me that it really annoys me that they did because we never saw that yeah. ugly ass green title again anyway. So what? Why was you know what was the point? I mean, it came back in the form of twenty four seven title, so it's exactly an equally ugly championship. So I guess it all works out in the end. They just recycle. So I guess uh, Daniel Bryan would be happy about the recycling of the championship. But yeah, this this show looks like an absolute. Uh, yeah, I don't think I think they're missing a lot of people on this show. I don't think. Kevin Owens is going because Sami Zayn's not invited because of, they don't not want they don't want him there because of his race or mm-hmm. ethnicity. Um, Cena's not going because he doesn't want it to hurt his. Uh, you know, he's a, obviously wants a movie career, but he doesn't want people to view him in a certain way. Which I understand. Uh, Smart man. Most of the most of the women aren't there. Um, yeah, Alistair Zane, Black. Alistair Black too Alistair isn't going because of tattoos. Mm-hmm. So there's a bunch of people who aren't going. And I know Daniel Bryan's not going because he refuses. So, I mean, I, I'm i sure there's more people who don't want to go, but they don't want to speak up because they're afraid of their position at the company after yeah. that. So. Hey, at this point, I don't see what it matters. I feel like, especially with the people that want to leave, like the Revival and Gallows and Anderson and God knows who else, they should just say, fuck it, I don't want to be here anyway, so why would I want to go to this place where I don't feel comfortable or feel safe or whatever, you know? Um, I mean, it sucks because the fans mess out, so I feel bad. It's not the fans' yeah. fault. 
It's just the, the country's in such a mess right now. And these shows that they're... It's not like, oh, the country's in, you know... Uh, has all this controversial issues surrounding it right now, but at least the shows are great. No, the shows are terrible. So the only the only real person benefiting from this is Vince McMahon and the money that's going into his pockets. So it's like, it's it's just, it's bad. It's really bad. I feel like this is a fitting show to have at this point with Raw being as, as bad as it is. So congrats to them for reaching a new low, for, for reaching a new low, I guess. It makes for some great and, content on and Twitter and online. This, I mean, honestly, after this show happens, like, I feel like Half of these matches that we're getting are not even going to be like going into like stomping ground. I feel like half of these are just going to be forgotten after this. No, like, they'll just be forgotten. Yeah, talk about them on TV. They're not going to like continue anything, especially like Triple H or anyone because that's just happening because mm-hmm. of, like John Cena Triple H. But I don't. Maybe Balor and Andrade will continue to feud, but I wouldn't be surprised if they struck out it and move on Balor to something else. No, yeah, that seems like a one and done type thing, which is probably for the better. Um, just get it over with so we can all move on. Um, I mean, I'm glad they built it up on TV, but because I knew they were they were building it up on TV, like you said before we started talking, Sal, when people knew that they were advertising these shows on Raw and SmackDown this week, that's a great reason to not watch because I'm not watching Super Showdown, so who cares? Um, but yeah, this will be a one-and-done type show. We can move on to the next awful event in Stopping Grounds, which has a terrible name, but hopefully it's a good show. And, um, yeah, I mean, if nothing else, to go full circle, at least we have TakeOver, we have NXT, we have AEW, John Moxley's in New Japan, there's a lot of cool stuff going on in wrestling right now, there's always a lot of cool stuff to talk about every time we have you here on the show, Cell. So, as always, thank you for joining me, it's been a great time, um, I think it's been about almost exactly three years, I think, since the first time we met in person at the, um, at the Mark Henry Page signing. Yes, it has, yeah, and I'm pretty sure... So I figured out, um, I'm pretty sure this weekend is mm-hmm. like that event. I don't know who's going, but I'm pretty sure if anyone was going, it's this weekend, the 7th and 8th or the 6th and 7th that's happening. I don't know who's going, though, because I haven't even heard. But they might not even be there because they'll be in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, no, I could definitely see that being, uh, being, being the case. Like I said earlier, I mean, the women aren't on this show, and I think they had Bailey. That when, when you told me Bailey was there for a few years ago, it was like yeah. after the fact, because we totally forgot about it, remember? It was like 2017, I think. Um, yeah. I was like, shit, because that would have been awesome. Um, I think the Iconics were there last year on one of the days. They had Ryder and Goldust one day, I remember you told me, and then the Iconics on Sunday. I didn't meet any of them. I didn't really have any much interest in meeting the Iconics, but hey, maybe they bring Bailey back, or um, I think Alexa Bliss is flying a Super Showdown. So maybe, I don't know, they bring in Bailey or Charlotte or... I don't know, I'm not really sure, but maybe it, it yeah, would be cool if they're there. Flew out I think the only two women are Natalia and Alexa Bliss because I guess they're going to try and get them to wrestle on the show. I doubt that will go well. No, nah, yeah, I doubt that's going to happen. So, yeah, well, we'll see. Other than that, yeah, no, it's been a pleasure to come on once again and, you know, hopefully, you know, I come on sooner. I think it's been almost like exactly a year since I was last on the show. Has it been, Really? I think I was on the show um, either last June or July. Jesus. It was around, it was like we were talking right, yeah, it was July because it was right after, I think, either Money to Bank or Pay-Per-View because we were talking up until SummerSlam plans. Oh, okay, okay, and I forgot you were, oh no, you didn't go to SummerSlam last, that was 2017, right, we established that? Yes. Gotcha, yes. gotcha, gotcha, cool. 
Awesome. So yeah, we'll definitely talk in the near future, especially as more shows come to Connecticut. Hopefully we can have you on every time a pay-per-view or a takeover comes here to the CT area. But even other than that, we'll definitely uh, talk soon here on the show. But uh, yeah, Sal, always a great time. Definitely yeah. let me know if you hear anything about the event this weekend, if you hear who might definitely be there. Will. So uh, that'd be cool to definitely meet up again if you end up going. But uh, other than that, dude, again, awesome time as always. Thanks for coming on the show, dude. Of course. Thanks for having me. Of course, dude. Sounds good. Have a great one. I'll talk to you soon. You as well. Thanks to Sal for coming here on WrestleRant Radio to talk all things TakeOver, John Moxley, WWE Super Showdown, and the shit show that that will be on Friday. Can't wait to uh, watch that and see how bad it is. But on that note, guys, you can check out full episodes of WrestleRant Radio every single week on NextAirWrestling.net and also on iTunes. Simply search up, rather, uh, WrestleRant Radio on the Apple Podcast app. You can rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. You get every new episode on Thursdays and all the archived episodes dating back to October of 2013. As for me, guys, you can find me on the socials on Twitter at WrestleRant, on Facebook, facebook.com backslash graham.gsm.matthews, and on YouTube as well, youtube.com backslash c backslash graham.gsm.matthews. So it's been a loaded few weeks here on the show. Um, If you haven't already checked out all the other recent episodes of WrestleRant Radio, what the hell are you waiting for? We had Mr. Marceau RJ on last week to do takeover predictions and give her onset report from Double or Nothing. We had Alexis on two weeks ago to give her on-site report from Money in the Bank. And then three weeks ago, John Ritland was on to help me rip apart the current state of WWE and talk all things wrestling. So check out those great episodes um, if you haven't already. Obviously, Sal, great time talking to him here today. I'll probably be back to flying solo next week talking Super Showdown. And like I said, the shit show, that is bound to be. And everything else going on in the world of wrestling. So until next time, guys, I'm Graham Jesus Matthews, and I'll catch your ass down the road. Boom.